0: Hi, I'm Mark Renner. This is Victory Over Sin. The
1: price you paid for my life, God's perfect sacrifice, sufficient for me. The blood of God to atone, my sin you made your own. You have saved. You alone have risen, you alone have saved us, you alone have rescued us from the grave. Glories to reign now, all creation cries out, you alone are king, you alone
0: are Good Saturday afternoon to you, Treasure Valley. My name is Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. The first part of this show, what we attempt to do is to share with you what exactly Victory Over Sin is and who pays for it, and what we're attempting to do. Victory Over Sin is a radio show It's actually sponsored by an advocacy arm for St. Vincent de Paul of Southwest Idaho. And for them, what we attempt to do is to educate you, the listener, and the person who's trying to find out things about the Department of Corrections, in particular, how to live on parole, how to exist once you get out of parole, on parole, and how to survive on parole when you're out there in the community. We try to address those things and educate the person how difficult it really is. We argue that not too many people in Idaho understand how difficult that is. And so what we've been doing for about three and a half years now on this radio show is to interview people that deal with those of us who have been incarcerated and who are on parole and are struggling or succeeding to get back into our community. And it's been an exciting three 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 and a half years or so that we've been doing this. If you go back to the archives at KBXL and look under uh, Victor Everson, you'll see uh, all the listings of our old shows. And our old shows have uh, state senators. They have directors of the Department of Corrections, some national figures. Uh, most interesting, is, Interestingly, we will bring in people from right out of prison who will come in there day one who have been in the studio and we'll also interview people who are doing extraordinary things for themselves as they come back into the community. It's a good body of work, if you will, if you're trying to understand how the Department of Corrections here in Idaho works. We're proud of that. Please take a look at it and uh, hopefully learn from that. In addition to that, what we do for this group too is to present a PowerPoint. We've got a nice PowerPoint that if you have a business or a entity or a church group and you're looking for some kind of a spokesman or a speaker and let's say the Department of Corrections you wanted something to know about, we got a 20-minute PowerPoint. The great thing about this PowerPoint is that it is led by a returning citizen. So it's led by somebody who's gone through the system, understands the system. It's meant to spark some discussions at the end. And at the end of that, hopefully you learn some stuff about uh, the Department of Corrections. Again, at the end of the show, I'm going to let you know how to Get in touch with me, and if you're interested in any of those things or helping us, that's fantastic. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, In addition to that, we have an office that's at 8620 West Emerald, Suite 140. Currently, we're open 9 to noon in every day, Monday through Friday. If you're interested in any of these things, this is a place to come by and kind of drop in and say hi. What we do in that facility right now, again, with all this COVID-19 stuff going on, Basically, all we're doing is picking up people and bringing them to the office, but as these things get more and more back to normal, we'll have more and more people coming into the office, and this is a good resource for that. Everybody in my office that works for me has been incarcerated, and they understand the system, so if you're looking for some support, this is a good place to go. We are still excited about the future and going forward. This adjustment and the slowdown of the uh, society, if you will, has taken a little bit of a turn for the worse for us in terms of that we don't think we're quite doing enough, but we're still there and we're looking forward to, as things get back to quote-unquote normal, being able to help you with these sorts of questions. I'm real excited today to have a guest that... um, um, I have recently met within the last uh, 60, 60 days or so. And I think you'll be excited to talk to her too in just a second.
2: The United States has the highest percentage of its population in prison in the world. That's one in 200 Americans are currently serving time in a federal or local prison. As of May 2017, Idaho has 8,223 men and women incarcerated and another 17,201 on probation and parole. So upon release from prison, who works with these individuals and families to help them transition back into our community? This is done by what we call Returning Citizens Resources, and coffee shop. We offer them a cup of coffee and some resources and information to help get them on solid footing with their faith, their recovery, and to begin their new life as our neighbor. It's designed for the offender's first stop from the institution. If you'd like to help us help them, please contact Mark Rennick at 629-8861. That's area code 208-629-8861. And if you're out in the desert needing any help for your transition, we pay for that call.
0: Okay, we're back. I'm excited. We have Ali Robbie, right? Am I doing it right? Yes. That's it. We that got to. Right. I always pronounce her last name wrong, so I apologize. And Allie is the uh, director of Jesse Tree currently. But more importantly than that for us is that she's a candidate for the Idaho State Senate from District 17. Welcome, Allie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is so cool. I appreciate that. You know, rarely do you run across somebody that's just this new face and she's going to be on the um, forefront of what's happening here in the state of Idaho. And we've got her before she actually is uh, running for office and um we welcome her thank you so much for coming
3: i'm happy to be here
0: tell me a little bit about your background and education if you would please
3: sure so i grew up in middleton idaho and actually the issue of criminal justice is really important to me because i saw some close friends and family members go in and out of that system when i was really young and it really impacted me and uh honestly kind of led to my desire to want to want to be an attorney, so I went on to the College of Idaho, and then William and Mary Law School on the East Coast to become a public defender. Mm-hmm. I why did uh, you go to the,
0: Why did you go to the East yeah. Coast to go to the, to go to school? Was that-
3: you know I wanted a different experience. Uh, William and Mary is a really excellent school and Tier One mm-hmm. law school, and wanted a great education. Wanted a different experience, and they also had an excellent public interest program. Uh, Particularly focused on public defense and uh, service.
1: Good.
3: Yeah.
0: You've already won my heart because you do that. That's fantastic. You ended up in San Francisco, though. Tell me a little bit about that.
3: Yeah. So I worked on uh, issues around housing policy and homelessness in San Francisco. My client was the city of San Francisco, and I administered and supported an application for a $53 million grant every single year in San Francisco working with 16 different providers and 50 or so different projects. It was really difficult and also depressing because I saw firsthand the income disparity uh, in San Francisco that exists. There's are 10,000 people living outside and the cheapest home you can buy in the city is a million dollars. Uh, and we kept dumping money into the problem of homelessness and trying to address it, but meanwhile we had more and more people becoming homeless every week and month, and uh, just couldn't get ahead of it. It was almost almost felt like it was too late. So uh, I did my best to solve <laughs> homelessness there, but. Uh, definitely felt like a problem that was just incredibly difficult to tackle, and it's going to require billions of dollars yeah. to resolve you, it. At you this know, point. it's like
0: I'm a, uh, I'm a. You don't know this, but I'm a transplant of California too, and I lived in Marin for a while. And uh, it's just the the difference in terms of what you identify uh, is so blaringly different. It's just uh, it's dynamic, and people can't right. understand it until you actually drive through the city and see the difference. But The incredible amount of wealth and the incredible amount of poverty. And there's just, there is no in between. And it's uh, hard for people to imagine. Was that difficult for, um, you know, a young lady from Idaho, even though you still had your uh, degree to go right to California and see that or how did you process? Well, that?
3: I had been around at that point. so I had also done a lot of human rights work abroad. I've worked in prisons in Cambodia, oh, yeah. also worked with refugees and asylum applicants all over the world and spent a lot of time in immigrant detention centers. so uh, i've I've uh, learned and seen a lot of horrible things, so I was ready uh, for it. but uh, definitely still really affected me and was was really hard to see and be a part of every day.
0: Yep. And so you come back to Jesse Tree? How long ago was yes. that? That hasn't been that long, has it?
3: I I have been at Jesse Tree for one year now. I mm-hmm. had been wanting to come back to Idaho, honestly, for a really long time, uh, particularly just seeing the state of our federal government and politics and divisiveness in this country. wanted to move back home to make a difference in my home state and just be closer to friends and family and buy a house and get a dog and settle <laughs> down, all of those things. Um, but I also wanted to work on an issue that was really important to me. And so I was just kind of waiting to, for the right opportunity to spring up, which uh, Jesse Tree needed new leadership uh, to prevent homelessness and eviction from happening to people and to our community. And I was recruited by a few folks for that position and took it on last year and have just been running ever since. Yeah.
0: It seems uh, so far it's really been a blessed life. You speak three languages too, right?
3: I speak Spanish and Khmer, Cambodian. I spent I a couple that, yeah. years in Cambodia. My Cambodian is very, very rusty, though.
0: Fantastic! Yeah, I was impressed with that too. Okay, so now let's get to the where we are now, and um, somehow you decide that you want to uh, run for office. How did that process take place, at least in your in your head, or how did how did that you come to that decision?
3: I've wanted to be involved in politics since I was really young. Um, I wanted to be the president when I was five years old. I just got really frustrated with politics. And I think a lot of politicians go into those positions for the power and the fame and the money. And I think more people need to go into it who are service minded and willing to sacrifice and fight for people that can't speak up for themselves necessarily necessarily. I, um, so that's something I've wanted to do since I was really young.
0: Good. Well, that's good. I, that's fantastic. it's nice to know that young people like yourself are doing that, uh, get old and calloused like I do. And so it's refreshing to see that. Congratulations. Thanks. The relationship with Marianne Jordan is, uh, an interesting one that I don't understand, at least on the surface. Suddenly she's decided she doesn't want to run and you're almost like the heir apparent with her. How did how does that take place?
3: Sure. So I actually met Marion Jordan through my work at Jesse Tree. I spoke on a panel for Jimmy Halliburton's city council campaign mm-hmm. with her and talked to her. And we grabbed coffee and talked about homelessness and our community and my efforts. And uh, she called me up one day and uh, asked me to go for coffee. And I didn't know necessarily what we were going to talk about. But uh, she told me she was going to retire and that she wanted me to run for her seat and, you know, my first question was, why me? <laughs> why me, Marianne? Um, but she just really believes in me and thinks that we need a generational change in the legislature, as well as someone from my background and perspective from from the nonprofit sector. It's not something I would have been able to do without her support or encouragement either, uh, because it is really difficult as a professional fundraiser and someone who works in nonprofit. You know, I don't have necessarily connections I can use to raise money for my campaign, so definitely just having to leverage her connections and others who supported me. Um, so
0: yeah, no, yeah. I think you know she's always been insightful, and that's, I mean, that's very insightful for her to see what really needs to happen in Idaho. Is that there does need to be a new voice there? Does need to be people who come in and kind of carry the banner with um, certainly all these elder statesmen? You'd say that seemed to hang right. on for too long and. Uh, have white hair like me and uh, tend to think in a way that is just "quote unquote" traditional and and is governed by you know some committee that they feel like they need to follow. So that's sure. but that. That is kind of what you face, really, right? The, the yep. battle you take on is will be uh, monumental. Which right. Is, yeah. Well, definitely. Yeah. One of the things that attracted me to you was your quick again the public defender background and the quick decision to uh, look at judicial issues and uh, yes. justice. And and so you did have one of those forums on a social media just the other day. How did that work out? And um, what did you think you gained from that?
3: Yeah, so I'm still kind of in the learning phase, just phone banking with constituents and learning what's important to them. And I've heard over and over again that criminal justice reform is really important to District 17 residents. And a lot of people are negatively impacted by the system. So I've also been trying to learn about what issues Idaho has been facing specifically. And I had connected to Kathy Grismeyer, who was formerly the Director of Policy at the ACLU. Um, I worked with her a bit on her Fair Chance Employment Mm-hmm. A bill, Sheree Buckner Webb's bill, and uh, had also connected to Shakira Sanders, who teaches at University of Idaho Law School. Mm-hmm. And so I had one-on-one meetings with both of them just to learn from them about what is possible in uh, to seek out criminal justice reform and make that happen uh, in the 2021 session. And suggested that we do a little town hall panel together. So we did that last night, and it was. It was really awesome. I learned so much, and I think everyone who was there learned a lot as well.
0: You know, I think one of the things that you're going to find is um, people come into my office, and you will find, and I'm not sure, tell me if this happened last night, everyone will have one specific sort of issue. My husband, my son, my son, this is right. what's happening. And it's and it, it's valid. It needs to be addressed. But it is just one symptom of a massive problem within the Department of Corrections that really needs to be addressed, and I'm wondering Definitely. if that's the flavor that you got last night, or can you see that it's a scope that needs to be addressed on a broader scale? Does that make sense?
3: We got pretty broad scale with that, uh, with it in terms of you know policies that we might actually be able to tackle and really sensible policies that are taking small steps in the right direction so yeah i felt really encouraged by that
0: i know i I know that as because i too have used kathy as an ally as we last couple years we've been trying to get returning citizens involved in making telling their stories quote unquote because i i think telling your story to an elected official is a way to impact certainly the way they think they may not, mm-hmm. you may not change their mind when you talk to them about a, your story, but when something comes up for them to vote on with the Department of Corrections, they'll think about that interaction with you, and they'll think, wow, maybe I should pay attention to this. What is this? And so I th- that sure. I've always been a strong believer in that, and I, th- I think I had that as an instinct, but Kathy certainly reinforced that for me. And I know that the more people we, the more we get involved with this, um, the more I say to legislators when I see them, I said, you know, the way we did this Medicaid enhancement thing where you just had a off session where we had like four hearings and you, everybody got kind of came in and got the vent about the 78,000 people who weren't not involved in Medicaid and they took testimony. It's almost, that's what we need to do with the same thing with the Department of Corrections to let everybody just come in and of tell their story to some Committee, so that they can process this and see the scope of the issue. Does that make sense to you at all? Or
3: definitely, and and I think uh, success in the legislature is all about educating folks and building consensus and Mm -hmm. having those one-on-one meetings with people ahead of time.
0: I do too, and so and I think too you're going to. We were talking before we went on the radio about the fact that there are. Some very talented people in the legislature and and very uh, intelligent people in the legislature. But what we really need to do is just to reach out and to have that dialogue with them, so that it isn't so much. Well, historically, it's always voted this way for this, and take a look at it and take a look at the entire cost of it, and Definitely. come up with it, come up with a decision. Because the point of the, the whole point of this radio show and most of the work I do, to be honest with you we we want to help people coming out of incarceration but we really want to raise the voices up and get people to get involved so that we can change what's doing here in Idaho because it's drastically behind the other 50 the other 50 states in terms of the way we approach corrections and it's just blatantly not fair so right yeah and so that's And kind of,
3: as you know I think there has been a bipartisan effort at least there was several years ago When uh, legislators were aware of the growth of our incarcerated population, Mm -hmm. they tried to change things by uh, passing the justice reinvestment initiative in 2014. And I think there was a biperson effort around that, and we need to bring some of those efforts back because our prison population just continues to grow despite despite the passage of that
0: act yeah yeah. and i i I totally agree with that i think that now that that experiment quote unquote has kind of come and gone and there's still some stuff that wasn't addressed there and well we've every time there's a crisis or somebody gets blamed for it then we have a new administration at the department of corrections and it comes in and then it's faced to fix it but let's just go in and take a look at the real issue rather than changing directors and going forward because i at the top of the administration now, in in terms of Josh Tewalt and and Bree, who's assistant, uh, we've got some really good people. And I think they're open to uh, looking at the system. And we finally got a governor who is really wanting to look at the system. And so we've got a chance to do that. Um, That's why I'm in part so excited that you're coming in to kind of help us with that.
3: Definitely. I'm ready to hit the ground running
0: <laughs> okay so let's talk a little bit we lost we're gonna lose uh, Sherry Buckner Webb which has always been a friend of Corrections and mine too uh, and um, but uh, Melissa Winthrop looks like we'll be moving up into the your to the chamber where you're going to be um, tell me about what you who do you see as allies in your um, your new coalition once you're elected?
3: Sure. I'm still meeting everyone, but I definitely want to work with Melissa. And I've got some friends over on the House side as well, Lauren Nekachea, Alana Rubel, and still meeting folks from the Republican side. Honestly, I haven't met everyone yet, but definitely wanting to. Um, I agree with you that it's all about building those relationships. That's something that I've learned in the nonprofit sector. Our success is built on our relationships with partners local government, funders, our clients, and so ready to build those and get in there um, to talk to folks. Um, I grew up in Middleton, so uh, had a Republican father, you know, Democratic mother, very accustomed to political discussions, uh, coming from both sides and communicating with both sides, and then had a really diverse experience working all over the world. And so I feel like I have a really um, strong ability to communicate cross culturally, which mm-hmm. that's what it's really about. Everyone in the legislature is coming from a different culture background and perspective, and I see that, and will speak to that in order to educate them.
0: Yeah, I think I think what I see in you is what what is my f- free advice, but I think you'll do this anyway. Is the the fact that. If you put yourself out there and you're genuine and you are consistent in your views and press on despite the any obstacles that come for you, you'll gain the respect of people because of the, the positions that you take and how you defend them. And you're right, it is just building those coalitions to say, well, this is what she really wants and this is how she believes. And they'll... People come around if you keep saying the same thing and believing the same thing over time. Totally, Yeah. And, and so, you just got
3: to speak to their experiences as well.
0: That's right. And bring them into it because I, I've, I've yet to find somebody that when you actually start peeling stuff away, that there isn't some cousin, some in the system of theirs that hasn't been involved in the system. We don't talk about it too much, but when you find that they're open enough to Talk to you about that. Then they say, "Oh yeah, there are some problems with this." And then, if I can just get those guys to ride out with me and pick one of these guys up from prison, that absolutely have no idea where they're going and what they're going to do. Uh, that's those are powerful things. That this is what Idaho does. We just we let people out, and we don't provide them with enough resources to survive. So it's it's difficult, and it needs to change. So, okay, I'm, I'm yeah, like I said, I'm excited that you're going to do that. Yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) Do you think that um, we talked a little bit too before we went on about people who are targeted in a a strength of a belief that they'll follow the belief more than they'll follow the consensus to make things right? Can you address that a little bit for me if you wouldn't mind?
3: Sure. I mean, in the nonprofit sector, again, I've learned uh, to compromise at at times and I think and a lot of the successful legislation that's come forward has been bipartisan. So it's about finding a friend on the other side who's willing to work with you and getting them to help you build consensus uh, and allowing them to steal your ideas, yeah, <laughs> if you right. like. Right. Um, but uh, definitely, um, you know, I think we, we got to get some things done. And sometimes it'll be small steps in the right direction, but hopefully over time we can chip away at the bigger issues.
0: Yep, I think so. I think I really, we've talked about uh, Senator Webb for a while, but she was really good at doing that. And she knew who who would help her in different situations. And so um, that's absolutely fantastic. She
3: was, and I'm learning from her as well as Marianne. Plus she can sing. Some others. Yeah,
0: so um, we've got just a few minutes left and let's talk about how we really do need to vote. And this is something that as much as possible, uh, people who complain, I will say, not a lot of the people, some of the people I know that are on, still on paper can't vote, but the people who can vote, if you if it's possible for right. you to vote, you really do need to do that. So address how you can still do that.
3: All right. So this year, all voting is being done by mail. And believe it or not, there is an election going on right now. And you need to request your ballot. Well, you have a
0: primary opponent too, don't you?
3: I do have a primary opponent. So we need people to to get their ballots in the mail and vote for me. But Uh, So you've got to request your ballot. You can do that really easily by just going to IdahoVotes.gov, and you just put in your name, social security number, driver's license number, as long as you're a registered voter, and you'll get your ballot in the mail. Otherwise, you can submit a ballot request form by mail. But either way, you do need to request your ballot, and you need to do that before May 19th. So that's coming up. I recommend that folks do it sooner rather than later.
0: Good deal. Uh, Allie, it was a pleasure talking to you today. And uh, like I said, I hope that um, things going forward once you're in the legislature, um, we're able to work together and to support all your efforts. Okay. I really thank you for taking the time to do this today.
3: Thank you. I'm looking forward to working with you as well. Through Jesus, this
1: victory, all the chains that are holding kept me locked in captivity, have been broken by grace so free, when he brought out his cleansing blood, motivated by his great love, give me faith I need to rise above, and sing a song of how I've overcome, I've got
0: Okay, I want to thank um, Allie for coming on today. If you need more information about her candidacy, who she is or what she is, you can talk to me and I'll be happy to forward it to you. Uh, You can reach me. I'm easy to reach. www.systemicchangeofid.com. You can reach me at Systemic Change of Idaho. It's all spelled out there at gmail.com. We're actually on Facebook at Systemic Change of ID. We're on Instagram at Systemic Change of ID. Man, you can even call us on the phone if you want to. Area code 208 477 1006. We look forward to talking to you next Saturday afternoon on Victory Over Sin.